If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to Luke, the 15th chapter. Luke, the 15th chapter, we're going to start with verse 11 here in a minute. We Americans, we love our freedom of choice. We can decide where we're going to live, what we do for a living, what we're going to watch on TV, if we're going to go to the movies, if we're not going to go to the movies, what organization we give ourselves to, how we will vote, who we hang around with, etc., etc., etc. With the exception of a few laws which are designed to maintain order and protect the rights of all, we have unrestricted freedom to choose our own direction in life. This concept of free choice, though, however, uh, is not original to our founding fathers. God himself created us with freedom of choice. We have all been created with the ability to choose our actions and our attitudes. This gives us great potential to do good. And it also gives us great potential to do bad. It gives us great potential to be a help in this world or to be a harm in this world. We can worship the true and living God or we can worship idols we build in our own minds. You see, we have the choice. Now, there's a movement among conservative evangelicals today to say that we don't have a choice, that everything is predestined by God. Let me tell you very quickly what I think of that. Do I think that God knows everything that's going to happen? Yes. Do I think he knows beforehand what's going to happen? Yes. Do I think before the beginning of the world he knows who's going to be in heaven and who's who's going to live with him in eternity? Yes. But my God is so great that he can know ahead of time without choosing for you. You see what I mean? Some people would say, oh, no, no, no. If he knows ahead of time, he's already predetermined that. No. See, my God's big enough to know the decision you're going to make and give you the choice to make that decision. I believe that. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe God can do anything. And I believe our God can do anything. And look at our scripture today. Look at the story that Jesus tells and tell me that this young man did not have freedom of choice. One of the greatest stories in all of the Bible, the story of the prodigal son. Now Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, There was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed his pigs. Wow, this would have been, you know, pigs were unclean animals. This would have been about the worst job you could possibly have for this young man. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went back to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And his father was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began the celebration. Wow, what an awesome story. My favorite story, because the way I understand the Bible, we're all prodigals. We're all sinners. We've all rebelled against the love of the Father. We've all decided to take our inheritance at one time or another and go to the far country to do what we wanted to do instead of what God wanted us to do. And so let's look at just a couple of things that this story tells us today. Number one, the father let his son choose how he would live. You ever thought about that? The father let the son choose how he would live. The father did not stop his son from making the wrong decisions. You know, some of us believe that God is going to keep us from going the wrong way. That somehow God is going to, to, you know, put up road barriers when we decide to do the wrong thing. It's almost a, a Christian fatalism that believes the choices I make don't really matter. You know, life is going to be a certain way no matter what. And so it really doesn't matter what I do or the choices I make. I'm afraid at, at one time or another we're probably all been guilty of this attitude. Uh, it's probably not what... God really wants for my life, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go my own way. There's one big problem with this. We don't choose what God blesses. Did you hear that? See, our world needs to hear that today. Our world needs to hear that today. There's all kinds of preachers, man, that, that, that get really popular and build big churches because they basically say, Hey, man, whatever you want, give it to God and he'll bless it. Whatever you desire, just tell God and he'll bless it. Bottom line is God chooses what he blesses. You don't choose what he blesses. He chooses what he blesses according to his will, not according to your will. Now, sometimes they're the same thing, and sometimes they're not. But we need to understand that God chooses what he blesses. The Bible says... He blesses faith and those whose hearts are set on him. You hear that? God blesses people of faith and those whose hearts are set on him. God will give us wisdom if we truly ask for it. Sometimes we don't ask him until our mind's already made up. I mean, look, I've been that way. I've got my mind made up. I say, like, okay, God, this won't... This is what I want to do. Now, bless it. You know, this is what I want to do. This is what I think is the right thing to do. This is what's best for Dow. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's do this and bless it. Uh, you know, sometimes we do that, and sometimes God talks to us, and we just don't listen. We just won't listen. You know, we get busy. It's not that we, it's not that, I, I have never met a person that says they believe in Jesus Christ that would admit, yeah, 
you know, I've just said, no, God. But what we do is we get busy. And, 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 and we feel this, 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 this tug on our hearts that says, maybe, maybe that's not the right thing, or maybe you shouldn't go there, or maybe you shouldn't do that. And, and, and we just get so busy, we don't have time to, to respond. We don't have time to listen. We, we just keep going. You know, it's a way that we, you know, we, we human beings are very sophisticated. Do you know that? We are complex individuals. We have all kinds of ways of avoiding God. All kinds of ways of, of, of not listening or doing, you know, what he wants us to do. The father let the son choose the way he would live. When he said, Dad, I want my inheritance and I want it now. The father could have said, you know, son, that's not best for you, and I'm not, no, 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 you can't do that. No, father didn't do that. He said, okay, that's what you want here. And he gave it to him. Even though, do you think the father knew his son? I bet he did. <laughs> I mean, he, he had watched him grow up from a, you know, a little boy. He knew the son. He knew that this was probably not the best thing for his son to do. But he let him anyway. Because the Father gave the Son the freedom to choose. Guys, it's a great gift from God, but it's also a very dangerous thing. But God gives you the ability to choose. He gives you the right to choose. And why? We'll get, you know, we'll, this is just a sidelight to the message today. But, but if you were God and you were creating the world and you were creating people that you wanted to have relationship with, would you want to program them program them to where they had no other say except just to, to love you and to follow you? Or would you want to give them the freedom of choice so that when they decided to love you and follow you, they did it because they wanted to, not because they were programmed to? Yeah. You see, you would want people that wanted to have relationship with you. And that's what God does with us. The Father let His Son choose how he would live. Now, some of us in here have made some pretty big mistakes in our lives. Amen? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, maybe we kind of look back and say, God, I wish you hadn't given me that choice. Because I didn't, I didn't do a very good job with that. And yet he did. Because he wants us to choose the way we will go. Number two, the father let his son face the consequences of his choices. You notice that? Wow. The father let the son face the consequences of his choices. He was feeding swine. Swine were considered unclean animals. For a young Jewish man, it didn't get much worse than that. It didn't get much worse than that. He allowed his son to face the consequences. You know, that's hard. Man, before I had children, I used to be such a hard case. I'd say, oh, man, you know, I'm going to let my kids face the consequences. I don't care what happens. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then you love your kids, and then something happens, and then you say, oh, well, maybe I'll just, I'll just help them get out of that one so that they don't have to face that consequence, so they don't have to, have to deal with that, and that, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and it's hard. And can you imagine how hard it was? for the father to know his son was living like that? I mean, this man was rich. The, 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 the father had money. The father had land. The father had, had, had resources. He could have gone and said, come on home, son. But he didn't. 
The father knew that the only thing that was good for the son was for the son to come to that conclusion himself. And so he let his son face the consequences of his actions. Some of you have made bad choices. All of us have made bad choices. Some of us just bigger than others, you know. And, and I'll bet you, you can say, yeah, that cost me in some way. That hurt my life or that, that hurt that relationship or that hurt, you know, whatever. Because you need to understand, God allows us to face consequences of our actions. And it's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he knows it's best for us. He was feeding swine. Have you noticed today that that no one's really responsible for their own actions? Have you noticed that? No one's really responsible for their own actions, you know? Now, now please don't get me wrong. You know, I have a a doctor's degree in... in, in, in uh, pastoral care and counseling. And, and do I believe the family that you grew up in molds you and shape you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I do. I sure do. Sure. But you know what? There comes a time when you can't blame mommy and daddy anymore for your actions. you got to take responsibility for your own actions. And you got to say, hey, it's on me. It's on me. And, and, and we live in a world where, where nobody's responsible. Society's responsible, or 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 prejudice is responsible, or 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 you know my my high school coach was mean to me, or you know my teacher uh, you know did not, or you know or I didn't get enough trophies when I was growing up, you know, or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know they're saying that that one of the problems with with the with the generation that's hitting the workforce now is that, that, you know, they were given trophies for participating. They didn't have to win or lose. They just got a trophy for participating. Now they expect to get a trophy for showing up to work. And their bosses are going, no, you don't get trophy for just showing up. You get trophy for doing something, you know. But, but so we live in that kind of society, you know, where, where nobody's really responsible for their own actions. But let me tell you something. God holds you responsible for your actions. And he will allow you to face the consequences of your actions. You know, I, I was just looking through the paper. A man murders multiple people and it's his parents' fault. A drunk kills a family in a car and, and you know, it's the bartender's fault for, for giving him those drinks. A uh, promiscuous person catches AIDS and it was the condom's fault you know, because it broke, you know, it's not anybody's fault. Well, we love our freedom. But hear me, with freedom comes responsibility. The flip side of choice is consequence. What a man sows, the Bible says, that shall he also reap. So you know what that says? That says you're going to face consequences of the choices and the decisions that you make. Number one, what was number one? The father let his son choose how he would live. Number two, the father let his son face the consequences of his choices. Number three, the son had to admit that he was wrong. Notice that? Notice how nobody's wrong in our world today either? <laughs> Nobody, no, no, that's not true. No, that's not true. My group's not wrong. Your group's wrong. Or I'm not wrong. You're wrong. But, but, but the son had to admit 
that he was wrong in the choice that he made. The Bible says he came to his senses. He had a, he had a moment. He had a moment of clarity where he said, Oh my goodness, this is on me. Because I would imagine, I would imagine, now the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I would imagine when things started going bad, when he ran through his money, when he was hungry, I imagine that he started out blaming other folks. That it wasn't his fault. That it was everybody else's fault. And then he came to his senses and noticed, oh my goodness, I put myself here. I put myself here. We can never come back to God until we come to our senses and understand how stupid and destructive going away from him is for our lives. When we move away from God, it is destructive to our life. You know, I'm a, I'm a preacher that doesn't listen to a lot of preachers, but I listen to a couple. And I was listening to one the other day, and he was basically saying that when we move away from God, we open ourselves to all kinds of other things that can come into our lives that are not good for us. When we stay close to God, it's almost like there's a shield there that protects us because when we're in the presence of God, we're listening to Him and we're attuned to His will and we're attuned to His ways and and those things don't affect us because we say no to them or we don't even notice them because we're not interested in them. Those things that draw us away from God. The son had to admit that he was wrong. Guys... The only way into salvation is to admit that you're a sinner. The only way to experience God's grace and forgiveness is to admit that you need God's grace and forgiveness. When I was pastoring my former church, it was it was pretty pretty good-sized church, and we had two services that were pretty full. And and I would baptize a certain amount of people a year, you know very small percentage of how many people actually showed up every Sunday morning. And there was a guy in my congregation who was a retired old preacher, and he was a hell, man, he was a hellfire and brimstone kind of guy, and he, he, was a, he was more of an evangelist than he was a pastor. But he preached at a mission there in San Antonio, Texas, every single Sunday. And you know what? He would baptize. He, people would come to Jesus. People would come to the Lord, and he would baptize Five times more people than I would, and he preached to probably one one hundredth of the people I preached to. And why is that? Well, it's it's evident, right? He's a better preacher. <laughs> no. Well, let me tell you something. The people he preached to knew that they needed Jesus. They knew that they were sinners. Many of them hit rock bottom. And they knew that they needed a Savior. Hey, I'm on. a lot of folks probably I preached to on Sunday mornings, they, they, they didn't really understand. You know, yeah, you know, you know. Church and Jesus is, is, a, is a nice part of my life. It, it, it fits nicely in this segment. You know, I've got all these segments. got all these compartments. That's my religious compartment. That's my Jesus compartment. And so we need to understand that God 
wants us. No, He demands that we be honest with our condition of our lives. And the condition of our life is that we're sinners and we need a Savior. The condition of our lives is even if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we're not walking with Him, we're walking away from Him. And if we're not listening to Him and allowing Him to control our lives through the power of His Holy Spirit, we are not living in, um, in connection to his, his will for our lives. And that's the truth. And, 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 you know, there's another thing about our society today. We think that if we say something enough times, it makes it true. We can say that, you know, we're not sinners and we don't need a Savior and God doesn't care about how we act and He doesn't... And we can say that. It doesn't make any difference how many times we say it. It doesn't make it true. The truth is God loves us and He cares about us, but there are consequences to our actions. And we must admit that we need a Savior for Him to come in and to save our souls. The son had to admit he was wrong. Now, notice this. After he admitted he was wrong, he didn't lay there in the pig pen. I love this. Because, you know, there's so many people I know today that live in defeat. That They live, uh, you know, with, with a sense of, yeah, yeah, I've messed up. Yeah, I'm in the wrong place. Yeah, I hadn't done the right thing. Yeah, I shouldn't be where I'm at. I can't do anything about it. No. This guy realized he had made a mistake. And when he realized that, he decided to do something about it. He decided to get up out of the pig pen. He decided to go back to the Father. And when he went back to the Father, he didn't come back saying, Hey, I'm... I'm taking son's rights, you know, I'm a son, treat me like one. No, he came back in humility. He came back, you know, with, with a broken heart. He came back saying, I, I, don't, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I don't deserve to be part of the family. Just, just treat me as a servant. Uh, he came back with a brokenness and a humility, understanding that he had made a bad choice. And, and he really, you know, he... He didn't deserve to be part of the family anymore. The son risked coming home. He, he risked the unknown. How am I going to be accepted? How am I going to be treated? How are people going to see me? He risked humiliation. I mean, he's coming back. Don't you know, don't you know the servants were going to have a field day on that? Don't you know Big Brother was going to have a field day? In fact, we, we read later, we didn't look at it today, but later on we, we see the, 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 the older brother didn't like it, you know. He didn't like it. He risked the unknown. He risked uh, humiliation. He risked rejection. He got up not knowing, not knowing what his father's reception was going to be. He went back anyway. He went back and risked it all. You remember that Apollo movie where Tom Hanks was one of the uh, Apollo 13, I think it was? You know? And uh, years ago, you know, if you're, any, if you're a preacher that's got any, any good, if you're any good at all, you've got, you've got like 10 sermons on the, good, on the prodigal son because it's just such, great, such a great passage, you know? And, and uh, many years ago, I, I preached a sermon on, and I talked about how it's dangerous to come home and, 
And if you ever watch that movie, get it out sometime, you know, look, at, look it up. When they're talking about how they're going to get home, every time they talk about how they're going to get home, somebody comes up, well, if they do that, they're going to burn up. Or if they do that, the, the thing is going to explode. And if they do that, and, and there, was like a, there was like a thousand reasons they couldn't make it back into the atmosphere alive. And my whole deal was, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's dangerous to come home. Well, those guys didn't have a choice. They couldn't float around in, you know, in space the rest of their lives. But, but, but the reality is sometimes people choose to lay in the pig pen and in the mire and in their unhappiness instead of taking that risk of coming home. It would be better in their minds to live that miserable life than to come back home and face rejection. And so they just stay in the pig pen. He didn't do that. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve to be a son anymore. But, you know, my father's servants eat better than I eat. And I'm hungry. And I'm, and I'm, I'm in this pig pen with unclean animals. And, and I'm going to come home. He risked coming home. Even with all the risks and not knowing how he would be received, he got up and he made that long journey home. You know, you know, picture him. Picture him walking home. The resolve it took for him to walk home. We don't know how far he was away from home, but we do know this. He didn't catch a cab or a bus or a plane. We know he had to walk home. And he was in a distant land, so, so we know that he, he didn't get there in a couple of hours. He had a real resolve to come home. Guys, when we say we want to come back to God, what kind of resolve do we have to really come home? Do we care enough to get up and keep going and keep going and keep coming back? and keep Because... Because you know as well as I do, if you're a long way away from God and, and you start coming back, it's like you hit this glass ceiling. It's like maybe, just maybe, he's not hearing me right away. Or maybe I'm not feeling or experiencing what I want to right away. And we just have to be persistent and keep coming back. It's not that God doesn't hear us. It's not that he doesn't forgive us. But you know what? Satan can play tricks on our minds and our hearts. Maybe God forgives us, but Satan's putting all this background noise to where we can't hear him. And so he risked coming home. The father allowed the son to choose how he would live. The father allowed the son to face the consequences of his choices. The son had to admit that he was wrong in the choice that he made. The son risked coming home. And this is the... The wonderful part of the story. The father was overjoyed with his son's return. The father was overjoyed with his son's return. I grew up out in the country. 
You know, I grew up where, where you could see for a long way between houses or, or you couldn't see the next house over. And, and, and I love the, the picture, this scene that, that his father might have been sitting on what we would call the front porch, you know, sitting in a chair or something. And, 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 and out in the distance, he sees a little speck walking this way. And after he, you know, maybe before he could even picture his features you know he knew the way his son walked you know we all have a little different kind of gait you know and and he sees that maybe hey maybe that's my son maybe that's my son and then the more he watches him the more he says that is my son that is my son and he gets up and he doesn't wait till his son gets there you know he doesn't sit there thinking about how he's going to chew him out for making that bad choice or those bad decisions. No, man, he gets up and he runs to meet his son. He runs to meet him out in the field because he's so happy that he's come home. He's overjoyed. And then he starts yelling, my son's home, my son's home. Get the robe. Kill the fatted cat. We're going to have a party, man. The, the son of mine that was dead, he's alive again. Wow. That is the story of the gospel. We're all prodigals. We've all wandered away. And we all need to come home. And the father is waiting. And if you will just make one step towards him, if you feel like you're a long way away, if you feel like you're not where you need to be and you've made some bad choices and you've faced those consequences and, and maybe, maybe you've blamed God for those consequences you've had to face and, and all of these different things, understand, you start coming home. The Father will jump up and he will run to meet you and he will throw his arms around you. And there will be joy in the Father's heart. The son of mine that was dead is alive again. That's the story of the gospel. That's God's grace to me and you. Will you make the choice to live for him? I don't know where you are this morning, but I do know this. I know the Bible says that you have to admit that you're a sinner. And you have to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins if you are to be a part of the family of God. If you've never done that, you need to do that. If you've never done that, you need to come home. You see, we were all created in God's image, right? All created in God's image and, 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 and all loved and, and cherished by the Father. But yes, it is true. We have that sinful nature in our hearts. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and the Bible tells us that the, the penalty for sin is eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, 
If you've never made that decision, can I tell you something? You can't be born into the Christian faith. You hear me? You can't be born into it. You've got to make your own choice. You've got to make your own decision. As, as, as I like to say, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. And so you can't, you can't be born into it. Your family can't make that decision for you. No, you've got to make it for yourself. And if you've never made it, you desperately need to make it so that you can come home and experience the joy, the overwhelming joy of the Father, His forgiveness and His love through His Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe, just maybe, you're sitting here and you say, well, you know, there was a time when I experienced that joy. There was a time when, when I walked closely with God. There was a time when I felt really, really close to Him. But, but quite honestly, in some ways, maybe, it, you know, I want to blame it on life or maybe I just got careless or maybe I just got lazy or maybe, you know, other things became more important, whatever. But in some ways, Pastor, I, quite honestly, I've been, I've been kind of out in the, in the distant fields. I, I've been away from my father's house. And I need to come home. Well, you know, you can do that today too. Father wants you. He wants you to come home. He wants you living right in the middle of his home. You're the only one that can answer this question. Are you living there? Or do you need to come home?